Well, good morning to those joining for the first time here. Welcome. So great to have you. My name is Jer. I'm one of the pastors here at the shore. If you're a student in school, there are handouts to grab at the kids' desk to follow along. Um, there might be a prize afterwards if you have it filled out. You can bring that back to me and uh, we can get to know one another through this. But also, I uh, just want to encourage you to follow along with the message on Sunday mornings. Uh, we are in the midst of a sermon series and letter to ch- the church in Ephesus. Last week, we hit the spiritual possession from the Father. Today, we will hit the spiritual possession from the Son. And next week, we will hit spiritual possession from the Holy Spirit. So if you have a Bible with you, please go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1. And if you are new and need a Bible, we have some at the back and would love for you to have it as a gift from us to you. Well, let me pray. Well, Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you that you are fully in control, uh, that you love us. Uh, You even, Father, you even chose us before the foundations of the world. Um, You have adopted us into your eternal holy family, uh, making us blameless and holy through your son, Jesus, on the cross 2,000 years ago while he lived a perfect life and died. Uh, shedding his blood for us, covering us in our penalty of sin and and resurrecting, giving us an eternal hope. So Jesus, I pray that you will help us glean uh, from what the message is today and that you'll help us uh, uh, live that out practically in our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the first six verses over the last two Sundays, we have learned a lot As a reminder, we learned a bit about Paul, his lineage with the tribe of Benjamin, that he was not only a Jew, but also a Roman citizen, that he took his name, his Roman name, Paul, and was called to be an apostle to the Lord Jesus Christ to those outside of the Jewish nation, known as Gentiles. He was an apostle, one called to be Jesus, called by Jesus and to preach Jesus with authority. We learned we are saints are called to faithful living and to live in the favor and rest or grace and peace of Jesus. And then last week we discovered that we have done nothing on our own accord to earn salvation. It was God the Father's choosing us before the foundation of the world, his love, that he predestined us for adoption, that he through Jesus, remember the great exchange I talked about on the cross, our unrighteousness for his righteousness, pays our penalty in full, and makes us holy and blameless, which then allows us to enter into the eternal family with God. Our job then was in verses 3 and 6, was to simply bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and praise the Father um, in verse 6. So then we get to verse 7. Before I read the text again, I want to give you the outline for you to fill in clearly so you don't miss it. We're going to discover that redemption means, what redemption means. It's the fifth word into our text today and is pivotal to understand as it is the action or imperative that is to be lived out by Jesus. Then under redemption, there will be three points. First is redemption in Jesus. Second, redemption through Jesus' blood. Third, redemption according to the Father's grace. Then we will close again with the same calling as last week to praise God the Father's glory. All right, first, what is redemption? Well, redemption in its simplest form would be defined to be set free. But that unfortunately doesn't define it in totality. You see, to be set free means you are in some sort of slavery to be set free from. We can understand this, right? Like, So the better definition would be to be freed by payment. 
to be freed by payment. There are moments of redemption that we all have experienced in our lives. Let me set a scene for you that I witnessed this week. As you know, many of you know that I'm living in Starbucks right now. Uh, It's my office and uh, the bench I'm sitting on is literally forming to my body. But I'm sitting there in Starbucks and and kind of watching the customers come in and and in comes Dale and and Tim. And uh, they don't see me, but that's fine. They go to the counter, they, they talk to a barista, and order their coffees, and they get their coffees, and and uh, uh, Tim looks at Dale and, and goes, my treat. And who doesn't like when you hear my treat? Like, that's amazing. To hear my treat is no, like, like if you don't, if you've never heard that before, that basically means that you're getting your coffee for free. It's a good thing. And so Tim, uh, like we always would do, uh, reach into our pocket to get our wallet and out comes his empty hand. He realizes he's forgotten his wallet. And so he looks to Dale and Dale just busts out. Like he just runs out of the store, pushing everybody aside and runs out and just disappears completely. So Tim is standing there and rightly owes Starbucks $10.47. He rightly owes Starbucks. He's enslaved to Starbucks $10.47 and he can't pay it. And so now there's a problem, right? Tim can't pay his uh, Starbucks fee. And so now he's enslaved. He's, He's in trouble. But you'll never guess what happened next. Jordan walks in and sees the commotion, sees the people on the ground because Dale just ran over everybody and walks up to the counter to the barista and goes, Tim, I got you. I'll take care of the $10.47. I'll pay your fee to free you. This may or may not have happened. All right, this may or may not have happened, but this is a low bar form of redemption, but it is redemption nonetheless. You see, it becomes a redemptive act when the person you buy the coffee for cannot pay for it. By Jordan purchasing the coffee for Tim, Jordan freed Tim from a debt that Tim could not pay to Starbucks. Jordan became the redeemer in his life. See, the high bar redemption is the debt that we owe to the eternal sovereign king that Jesus pays in full on our behalf. See, I will assume that some of us need to hear this reminder. Some may never have heard this. I know personally for me, it was the hundredth plus time that I heard this story that it really sunk in. See, we we need to be set free from our sin. Romans 6.23 gives us a common way to begin paying for our sin eternally. It says, for the wages of sin is death. There is a wage that needs to be paid, and the wage, unfortunately, is our case, isn't, isn't a $10.47 cup of coffee, but a debt that is impossible to pay. Even Jordan cannot pay for it. You see, God now stands behind the counter and looking at Romans 6.23, the payment owed is your life. Let me define redemption again so we don't miss it. Redemption is the freeing of by payment. Freeing of by payment. With the coffee story, the payment was money. With God, the payment is your life. The only one that can pay for this type of debt is God himself by way of the son fulfilling his role on our behalf. 
Look at the text again in Ephesians 1, 7. It says, in him we have redemption. So the first point of redemption is, redemption is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. So redemption in Jesus. Remember the great exchange I talked about last week where Jesus takes our sin for his righteousness. In redemption, we have four sub points here. Freedom by payment, freedom from guilt, freedom from our futile ways, and freedom into a renewed future. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8, 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Sin was condemned for us through the flesh of Jesus. To be redeemed means someone outside of you needs to make a payment for what you have done because you cannot pay it. Corey couldn't, or sorry, Tim could not pay for the $10.47. So Jordan could, so he became the redeemer. We can't pay for the penalty of sin, but Jesus can and did, so he became the redeemer. Look at another text in Colossians 2, 13 and 14. It says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. There's a, there's a legal transaction taking place here. Paul in Colossians is saying that Jesus pays the debt, the legal debt of death, in full for you and I. I really want you to grab hold of this truth. Not only is your payment covered in full, but the guilt of our sin like, is taken away. It no longer is upon us either. It is forgiven by nailing it to the cross. One author explains guilt this way. Guilt is the result of having violated a specific law, rule or law. When we cross a moral, ethical, or legal line, we are guilty. This is true even if we did not know a line was crossed. Guilt is primarily, listen to this, a state or condition, not a feeling. It's a state or condition. You are in the state of guilt. So when you walk in the presence of God, you are pure now because of what Jesus has done for us. You are pure, holy, righteous, blameless. You are not guilty any longer. You're not in your state of guilt any longer or a condition of guilt. You are actually free. See, in the Old Testament, there was a time you had to offer a sacrifice as a guilt offering. You could see this in the book of Leviticus. But Jesus' plan from the beginning was to not only pay for the penalty of debt, but the guilt as well. Your position of guilt is taken by Jesus. See, we see this in Isaiah 6-7, just the beginning of this form, when an angel of the Lord touched the prophet Isaiah with his burning hot coal. And it says this in Isaiah 6-7, And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. So redemption in Jesus is freedom by payment for the sin and the guilt that comes with it. But not just sin, not just guilt, but also your futile ways. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, one of my favorite passages, it says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 
This is the road of sanctification, the idea that God is working in us by way of the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus. See, the patterns of your lives will begin to change. In my life, I was all about me in my 20s, like all about me. But over time, those futile ways started changing. God has done a work in me to love others rather than put others down for the sake of my glory, but rather lift others up for the sake of God's glory. So sin penalty paid for. Guilt position removed. Futile ways changing. In fourth position of redemption in Jesus, we are promised a future renewal. In Romans 3, 23 through 26, it says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None can get to the glory of God. It's impossible. And this is the crazy part. You're sinful. You've not gotten to the glory of God. And then it says, and are justified by his grace as a gift. Something you do not deserve. He's justified you, legally justified you, made you righteous through, how? The redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation, essentially a pain of the ransom, the ransom that needed to be paid by, how? His blood, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, so now this is a big picture deal, In his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So all the former sins in the Old Testament literally passed over, not swept under the rug, passed over for a specific time. Look in verse 26 of Romans Romans 3. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, at the cross, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is amazing. See, Jesus' payment satisfied the Father's righteous judgment for all sin as the just judge and justifier of the penalty. See, what we are seeing in this text is incredibly important, and it will bounce us back to our Ephesians text. See, Jesus pays not only for the guilt, but also pays the ransom in full, helps change our futile ways, and gives us a future renewal as sons. See, in him, we have redemption. Verse 1, verse, or sorry, chapter 1, verse 7. But it continues, and this leads us to our second point. In him, we have redemption through his blood. So how do we get redemption? Through Jesus' blood. This is important to understand. Look at Hebrews 9, verse 22. It says, indeed, under the law, almost Everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. See, in Jesus, we are freed from guilt. And in Jesus, we have future renewal by his blood shed for us. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Really important text to see the future renewal that God has been proclaiming thousands of years ago. Verses 28 through 32, it says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. You've heard that verse before. This is future renewal. For those who are called according to his purpose. 
For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's a transformation taking place. There's a future renewal happening in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, making right standing before the Lord. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, there's a future renewal happening So we have our guilt of sin removed. We also have sanctification. We are being transformed from one degree of holiness to the next to become more like Jesus. Then there is a promised glorification, the complete eternal renewal back into the family of God. Full on reconciliation. See, there's this future renewal happening through the blood shed for us. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. See, Jesus is taking away the ongoing power of sin in our lives. He does this through the blood. Blood is a major theme throughout scripture. There's a cleansing action. It represents life. It represents payment and ransom for another. Blood pays the debt of sin. This is why we, the church, celebrate this every week. In Luke 22, it says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And here, verse 20 of Luke 22, And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. See, this is the covenant we now have with Jesus. It is a renewal into the eternal family. He's making a covenant with us, and God does not break covenant. See, in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27, he he promises a new heart and obedience towards him. Look at all the I wills in this text. And I will, verse 26 of 36 of Ezekiel, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a new heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. See, the future renewal is happy now and is completed when Jesus returns, but it's done by God. He is the one that is renewing us. See, we have redemption in Jesus. Guilt is paid. We have redemption through Jesus' blood. Future renewal. And lastly, number three, redemption according to God the Father's grace. See, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Last week we saw the Father's spiritual possession over his saints by choosing us. Today, we are seeing the Father possessing us through God the Son by way of His sacrifice for us and His blood payment to redeem us to the eternal family of God by forgiving our trespasses, to renew us to right living within the family, to be holy and blameless. Again, read the whole text 
in context here, verses 7 all the way to verse 12 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. It says, In Jesus, in Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished He lavishes his grace upon us in all wisdom, like his wisdom, his forbearance, his understanding and insight. He does this, making known to us what? The mystery of his will. And so what is this mystery of his will? Well, we need to keep reading. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Here it is. Here's the mystery. To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So the mystery of God's will is to unite all things in him. In him we have obtained an inheritance. So not only the mystery of his will is revealed to unite all things in him and to give us an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that, verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. See, I want you to see the thread that is woven through this letter to the church of Ephesus and for us as well. God the Father is paying the ransom owed to himself. He's paying the ransom owed to himself because he loves you. Through Jesus, his son, so that you can now have right relationship with your heavenly father and enjoy the inheritance he has for you as sons and daughters and saints of his. To unite us as the eternal, holy and blameless family, to be freed from guilt, to have a future renewal and eternal renewal through him. See, practically, you owe Starbucks $10.47, but you cannot pay for it. Jesus pays your debt for you and completely clears your guilt for not being able to pay the debt. And invites you to not just sit with him, but be his son and daughter forever. And to worship him with clarity of heart, mind, soul, and strength to the praise of his glorious grace. So what could be the practical application from this text for us? Like what could be the practical application? Well, we see one practical application in verses 3, 6, 12, and now again here. It's the praise of his glory. So it could be thanksgiving, right? The practical example could be thanksgiving. But as you play this out, if you were in Tim's shoes, in the story at Starbucks, wouldn't you tell someone? Wouldn't you tell someone about Jordan? Like, wouldn't you go home or to your workplace and go, oh man, you'll never guess what happened to me at Starbucks. I was taking my buddy out for coffee and I forgot my wallet. And then I was standing there just not knowing what to do, I could not pay the coffee bill. And someone else came into the coffee shop and paid my debt. Wouldn't, wouldn't you tell someone about this if that was you? Of course you would. 
See, I believe when you truly get all that Jesus has done for you, the application for us would be to proclaim what Jesus did. To to proclaim it. This, friends, is evangelism. It's, It's proclaiming what Jesus has done for you. It's thinking of what your Redeemer has redeemed you from. And then going and telling someone. Telling someone about this. This is our duty as followers of Jesus. To go and tell of his amazing love. And it should be a joy of yours. Like it would be if someone bought you a $10.47 cup of coffee. He has purchased your life. And we don't tell anybody about it. So may our application this week be that we proclaim and evangelize and tell the good news of Jesus in our life. There's no pressure on you changing someone's heart. That's God's job. Our job is simply to proclaim it. So the challenge for us today and this week Proclaim to someone about what Jesus did for you and invite them to church and community. Invite them in and ask the Lord to reveal whoever that might be for you this week. Let me pray. Jesus, would you continue to mold us to become more like you? I thank you for your promises. And Lord, would you soften our heart enough to to want to tell about your amazing love, your amazing grace, your choosing us before the foundation of the world. You're making us holy and blameless. You're, you're making us righteous. Like you're taking all of un, our unrighteousness. Help us proclaim this clearly to our friends, our family, our work, our workmates. Uh, the people on the street, the barista on the corner, whoever it might be, Jesus, would you move us, move in our hearts to proclaim this good news of you. And I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.